You can't stop the sacred fire of liberty. You can't put the fire out. Not here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. I'm down in the sunshine of Florida getting my vitamin D out there playing some tennis at Casey Krejci's, uh, well, backyard porch again. Casey might join me this hour as well, but really the specialness of what is transpiring right now is Jonathan Emore joining me for our first hour. He has set up an exploratory committee to run for the Senate, U.S. Senate in Virginia. We'll obviously get some updates on that. I've been talking about it. In fact, in my lecture last night, I brought it up and people were like, oh, yeah, we need that. So that's coming up in a whole lot more. We've got an hour or two encore that's very special, including Pam Popper. Uh, you know, this we've talked about the, the meetings over the every week over the past couple of years. We've really found that people are willing to come together in freedom despite all the fear mongering. Also, a special encore edition of my dearly departed friend, Chris Barr, not a doc. You're going to enjoy a revisit with Chris as well in this second hour. But right now, let's rekindle the sacred fire of liberty right here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. RobertScottBell.com slash listen. There's the chat room. See you in just a moment. The Robert Scott Bell Show. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right. Lo and behold, we're back and we're happening. We're at Casey Krejci's house in the backyard and having a great time. I just was playing tennis with uh, Sarah again, having a great time. The humidity is up a little bit like I'm used to in Florida, but not brutal, brutally. Uh, but the vitamin D is happening here. We don't run from the sun. We don't hide from the sun. Casey Krejci, my brother, thank you for hosting us again. Always a pleasure. It was so life. good to see you. And guess who we're going to see right now joining us on the Robert Scott Bell Show. It's a Sacred Fire Liberty Edition. It's Jonathan E. Mord. Brother E. Mord. Yes, sir. It's great to see Casey and his uh, digs there. It's wonderful. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to coming down there pretty soon. Looking forward to having you. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm, this place is gorgeous. It's like Jonathan's house in Virginia, but this, this place to Florida, it's a lot, a lot of similar really? pool in the backyard. It's just gorgeous. You guys are going to have a great time uh, doing an event. We'll talk about that as well coming up. But you notice that I'm closer to the camera to make it look like I'm big as Casey Krejci or bigger. <laughs> I'm sitting in the back. <laughs> in reality, I'm a little guy compared to this huge guy. But uh, oh my he, goodness, Robert, when you recede, you look like you're the son of Casey Krejci. <laughs> yeah, seriously? <laughs> almost, almost the baby, the baby of Casey Krejci. There, there is one picture that jo Jonathan, that Super Don loves to show every time Casey's on. It's like me. I don't know if it was that the truth about cancer event. I'm, my head's on his shoulder, and I. I look like a little little baby on it but it's uh, it's hilarious well, that's, but, not, that's not bad to be casey Krejci's baby I not bad at all oh my God. <laughs> robert for you that's moving up bud moving on up for sure well look what what we're hoping is that we can help you move on up into the u.s senate here the exploratory committee is real it's happening uh we've got our big first huge meeting and fundraiser for you at the at the health freedom expo i was talking with julie whitman klein last week about it she's excited we're all excited dan burton's going to be there amazing folks are going to be there with us I'm trying to get casey to come on up to chicago it's not in chicago so it's safe we're good we're outside of the in the suburbs uh yeah. but it's going to be an amazing start to a, a you know a, i think a fruitful campaign to restore constitutional governance to this land yeah yes awesome. And Robert, I've got an award to give to somebody. Yeah. This is this pen right here, 1776 Tornado Pen. Yes. Pen I use in litigation, Robert. Really? And the first person from your show to make a contribution to the campaign, to the effort to get me uh, uh, to announce on the end of March, gets this pen. Really? What they donate 
they get this pen. The first one today. Mm-hmm. Contribution. Emord for VA.com. All right. Emord for the number four or FOR? What should we say? Emord FOR VA.com. V is in Victor. A is in Apple. So what will they need to do? Take a screen grab of the of the donation? How will we know? I want to make sure it's well, fair to every, get every time someone donates uh it through WinRed, that's the automated system. When they go to uh emordforva.com, they'll see a donate button. Okay. When they hit that donate button, then they can make a contribution. When they make the contribution, it's timed and they it gathers their name and you know other information that the feds require. And then as soon as we get that uh, uh, log for the day, we'll know who donated first from this program. Okay. Well, we're on, on three to five in the afternoon Eastern time. So time it out uh, after three o'clock. We are now on. And uh, those of you in the Robert Scott Bell Show audience, if you want to get this amazing pen that uh, super, well, this is like, it's like a supercharged pen as I'm thinking. You've used it in litigation. You beat in fact, it was used in litigation where I won. Robert. Yeah, there you go. See what I'm talking about? Well, I mean, we wouldn't. We, 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 we'll be getting the one any that you lost to the opponent. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, this this puppy right here. This is the one. Nice. A good. This is a really good pen. It's. Uh, I think it's called a tornado. Anyway, you you to make it work, you have to twist it like yeah. that. And it's really smooth writing anyway. Very cool. Lovely pen to get. I think it's got some energy. It It has history behind it. Seriously, that's cool. And, you know, FDA has been whooped eight times, but it's not enough. Jonathan's going into the Senate if we help him uh, and uh, do do it in a way that he couldn't do in the courts. So uh, let's talk about Biden's Puerto Rican heritage as we open up the Robert Chappell show. Yeah. It's it's a fascinating journey with this man with no mind or who knows what's programmed this guy to speak when he speaks. It's just embarrassing. Uh, Super Don, I think, has a clip of uh, Biden claiming uh, hanging. I don't know. Is it Puerto Rican heritage by blood? What's going on here? Super Don, play that clip if you don't mind. I uh, was sort of raised uh, in the Puerto Rican community at home politically. And so we and we came here for a long time, uh, both for business and pleasure since you're part of the third circuit so back in uh new hampshire that intense puerto rican migrant population he was growing up with them explain what he just said well if you don't have a self robert you can't be yourself (laughs) because there's nothing there in biden he's really it's not too inaccurate because he could be a mirror reflecting any population before whom he appears. That's that's what he's done for actually his entire political career. Biden identifies. Exactly. He identifies with his audience in, in the sense that he'll tell you that he is from the same demographic as any audience that he is before. So mm-hmm. if he's before working class people, he says that you know, I, I, I'm blue collar and I've been a working class guy my whole life. If he's before Irish people, he'll bring out a little Irish heritage. If he's before black people, then he uses this strange attempt to speak in some sort of an urban dialect. And then he identifies with black people. Uh, he identifies now with Puerto Rican people. It's not surprising. I think he will identify with any group of people you put before him. And in his befuddled state, he might well identify before any animal. 
Uh, but, so if you took them to the zoo, for example, <laughs> you might well identify with the orangutans or. He, if he was uh, going to North Georgia, he would say, I was born a poor cabbage patch kid. Yeah. Um, it's like unreal. We see this. We witness it. You can't make that up. This would be an old time Saturday Night Live skit where they do an, a cold open and make, you know, the, the president, whoever was, look like the buffoon. That Unfortunately, he's doing it for himself without the help of com- comedic writers. And now apparently he's met with uh, the Reverend Al Sharpton, as I remember Rush Limbaugh had re- referenced him. Uh that he will be running again in 2024. I don't think he's going to make it through. He's certainly not cognitively going to make it through the first four years of the presidency, but to run in 2024, I don't think any Democrat wants him to run at this point. Well, running is an overstatement and an exaggeration. He won't be running in 2024. He'll be hobbling along in 2024. He's already shuffling in his uh, walking. I mean, the tragic reality is that, uh, he will probably run uh, for for the Democrats. That's a tragedy for us. Of course, it's a time to celebrate because it's hard to imagine a, a more vulnerable candidate on the Democrat side mm-hmm. than Joe Biden. I mean, everyone in this country just about uh, thinks that he's a complete blithering idiot. A majority of Democrats don't want him to run, and some seventy uh, percent of independents are re- are you know recoiling away from him, and uh, I just don't see that there's any way he could possibly succeed. But you know, hope springs eternal, and when you're that age, I guess you know that's all you got is hope. So well, like, you know, there's a there's a plan afoot mm-hmm. that, that I've been made aware of to somehow replace him with Gavin Newsom while in office so that he will be running again as an incumbent uh, against the next. Uh, That'd be interesting. Run the numbers on this. They would have to get rid of Biden, get rid of Kamala, put Pelosi in and Pelosi's related by, I don't know, blood or cousin by marriage. And then he, she could place him up at VP and then he could run a pre. That's the only thing I can th- see initially. That's crazy. Yeah, but- I've heard the entire plan and it actually is sensical. Oh yeah. Uh, sensible. Wow. Um, if, if, if a whole bunch of things align, right. You know, yeah, in reality, you know. I think that he's going to be challenged in the Democrat primary by a number of people, probably. But certainly Gavin Newsom is acting like he's getting ready to run for president. And, uh, you know, they're really evil in the same way. They're both socialists. you got a president of the United States who's wet himself to the socialist agenda and is killing the country as a consequence. And Gavin Newsom is the same way. I mean, look what he's doing to California. Oh, huge he- that you had to run on your success in your state if you were a governor. Now it looks like he's running on the success of socialism and the utter destruction of California as his basis basis for being president. But uh, outside of California, I don't see that he's going to have much traction. He doesn't have much popularity. In fact, many people despise Gavin Newsom around the country. Well, what I I understand is that when... Biden went overseas recently. Gavin Newsom went to West Palm to meet with the big money Democrats to see if he passed the test with them. They did some, some mm. testing and all that sort of thing. And apparently they did. They do want to back him. Yeah. And uh, he also was at the White House while the president was out of the, out of the country. Mm. Dude, Biden is. All right. Now we got news. I, I just don't think in any legitimate free and fair election that there's any chance that Biden won, much less could win. And that Gavin Newsom coming out of California, the great failed socialist experiment state, especially now that Gavin Newsom signed into law, 
the AB 2098, that would basically criminalize speech by doctors. Well, I already, Dr. George Fareed is now under pressure, if you don't know who he is, 7,000 COVID patients uh, using a hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and then nutrition protocol, which a mm-hmm. lot of us integrative people put in, help him put in place. Mm-hmm. But he's, he's had 7,000 patients, no deaths. And now they have literally shut down his protocol, not allowing him to use it. And now they're going after his license. Yeah, this is so. the kind of tyranny that uh, a president Newsom, if they actually think they're going to run him. I, I just wonder how far they can can get away with this in terms of honesty and integrity. It's not there. It's only through deception, lies, uh, cheating, fear. And that does not lead to, uh, a, you know, let's say, a powerful recovery for this nation, uh, which needs people that are strongly principled, which is, again, why. Uh, I'm supporting Jonathan Emord. Uh, his exploratory committee is up and running. Emord for Virginia VA dot uh, com. And the first, uh, if you haven't already, supporters here at the Robert Scott Bell Show to donate at that website uh, will be that pen that uh, Jonathan showed earlier. That's a cool pen. Uh, that's a store. That's got some history there in that pen. Now let's talk economics. I got two smart guys. I got Jonathan Emore. I got this guy, Casey Krejci, big, big time understands business and finance and money. Bidenomics with the U S national debt is up to $31 trillion, 31 trillion. Now running a business as you do, how can you sustain? I mean, how, what kind of debt can be sustained before it's obvious that it's not feasible to continue? Well, you know, finance ultimately is what you take home to mama. Yeah. And if you got nothing to take home from mama and you're losing money, it's got to come from someplace. So where's it coming from? So, so interestingly, I understand that over half of all dollars printed in, in America in history have been printed in the last two years. So if you, whatever you have is half, I mean, let's just talk basic economics. If you have hundred thousand dollars in your savings, it's now technically half. Mm-hmm. But if you go from the time when Woodrow Wilson put in, in the place the the Federal Reserve and this whole fraud, mm-hmm. it's ninety nine percent down. You know, as, as far as the right. dilution of the value. So, how can you keep up if you're saving, earning, buying in Federal Reserve notes, Jonathan, with that rate of inflation? Even though, again, people wrongly assume inflation is the, the cost going up. That's a symptom of inflation, we know. And the, the retention of any purchasing power of the dollar is due to an illusion, due to a habit, due to a belief, not backed by anything uh, you know, of, of limited availability that would make it valuable and intrinsically, so to speak. Well, let's think about what Casey just said, because it really is the uh, whole source of what inflation is in this country right now. You've got the largest infusion of federal dollars into the economy in the shortest period of time by far in American history. We are, it's, it's, it's just a massive outpouring of federal dollars into the economy. What is inflation? Inflation is too many dollars chasing too few goods. At the same time that we have this massive expansion in the money supply, we have a reduction in the gross domestic product. We have an actual inversion, a slowing down of the productive capacity of the United States. This with supply chain disruptions, with the forced reduction in supply of domestic oil and gas in to achieve that end of the president, which is to wipe out all fossil fuels within 10 years of his election. Uh, they're moving feverishly to destroy the American economy. 
And what, what they're doing is destroying it on the backs of the working class of Americans, uh, of the middle class. Uh, it costs a family today 6000 some odd dollars more uh, to live than at the start of the Biden administration. In other words, your income has gone down by over $6,000. Individuals' income has gone down by over $3,000. Inflation is a tax just as surely as a tax increase is a tax, and you're going to get both mm -hmm. from this administration. They just passed legislation to make a minimum corporate tax of 15% and to put 87,000 IRS agents into the field for enforcement, uh, and they will be auditing in order to raise what the administration is requiring, 350 billion more dollars to be sucked out of the economy. Where can that come from? Well, 80% of it has to come from the middle class. So this administration is destroying the economy. That's what they're doing. The same thing with the open border policy. I mean, when you have Fentanyl coming in here becomes the number one leading cause of death. Everybody from 18 to 45 is now the number one leading cause of death in America is fentanyl overdose. Fentanyl made by our enemies, the communist Chinese, intentionally infused into this country. Rainbow colored so it attracts kids. One of the most lethal substances on earth. That, too, is really wrecking the economy. It's forcing all sorts of public expenditures. It's, it's making the workforce, it's disabling the workforce. I mean, there are many, many, many evils like this, which are happening because of this approach, which I have to tell you is intentional. I mean, do not think for a minute that the people who are running the government, the far leftists who are running the government, are not fully aware of what they are doing. The fact that Biden will not even lift a finger to do one thing to stop illegal immigration, MS-13, 18th Street gangs, uh, sex trafficking, drug trafficking, pouring across the border, destroying communities around the country, will not lift a finger to stop the defund the police movement, will not lift a finger to stop inflation, will not lift a finger uh, despite the fact that we have the greatest reserve of oil and gas in the world right under our feet. America is the richest source of oil and gas in the world. All we have to do to lower the price of gas down to two bucks a gallon is open up the spigots and allow it to go. Stop all the regulations. Stop this movement to destroy fossil fuels. Same thing with food and uh, uh, you know food prices. Uh, we can reduce them, services prices going up. We can reduce that too. How can we do it? Increase supply, make us a manufacturing haven, open up, you know, cut taxes. Remember, Reagan did this. Reagan cut taxes and everyone said, oh, no, that's going to increase the, de the deficit Well, uh, and the national debt. Well, actually, tax revenues went up. Tax, and the same thing with Kennedy. Kennedy uh, cut the uh, tax rates. So what we need to do is to severely cut individual and corporate taxes with the effect of creating an economic boom in this country. We need to lower taxes for companies overseas to encourage them to come back uh, to the United States and manufacture. And we need to end all this climate 
change nonsense, which is destroying us. You mean to tell me, uh, even if you buy into climate change, they admit they can do absolutely nothing about China. China is just pumping carbon. And India, and in India as well, yeah. And India as well. And it's, and you know, our levels of pollution by comparison are minuscule currently. And what they, they would get, make us have intermittent and unreliable energy from, from wind and solar, which is mm-hmm. total disaster, which in and of itself creates massive environmental uh, burdens. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, Joe Biden is a blithering idiot, but he's a blithering socialist idiot. And the solution to this is really getting all these people out of here. And I think we're going to do it in the midterms. I think it's going to be overwhelming. I think we'll take the Senate too in the midterms. Oh, amen. But that would be we amazing. have to keep their feet to the fire. Anybody who's elected, yeah. we need to keep their feet to the fire because they it's not enough to win. You have to get the revolution going in the opposite direction and tear down the socialist changes that they have made. When we're at the Health Freedom Expo together, I'm going to introduce you to some folks you haven't met yet, including one from Virginia who you'll be pleased to meet david martin phd dr Dave, have you met david martin yet oh my gosh this guy's brilliant and i've talked with him have meetings with him he's a wonderful man he's very intelligent in the finance realm he used to he's a guy with the bow tie used to be on on all of the shows back in the day and i've seen the technology and talk about innovation and freedom but isn't he also a lawyer uh, I don't know if he's got a lawyer degree or not, honestly, okay. but he's just brilliant. You'll yeah. find he knows the, a lot of history of the United States that, you know, like I when I hear Jonathan talk history, like you get you, you like, my gosh, he did some real research and homework to understand how we got here. And um, there's innovation happening in terms of you talked about the oil under our feet in America. We have such energy reserves here. And for those that are environmentally concerned, I've seen technology that can convert like tar sands, like we talked about up in Canada and things. Oh, they're thinking, oh, it's going to destroy the the environment. In fact, uh, technology that allows for the removal of uh, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of barrels of oil from the tar sands, if you will, even in America, leaving pristine soil that you can now grow food in. We're talking innovation that is, and I've seen it with my own eyes, what's happening here. And these are the kind of people that are ready to step up and step in when we get these buffoons out of the way that want to bring America to its knees and destroy it utterly by destroying the energy that we need to even live and eat, et cetera. And of course that would, for those that are population reductionists and they're out there, uh, climate change is an excuse to starve people. It, it really is not about saving the planet or saving the people. It's about reducing the population. So these uber wealthy people have this sense of I can control a lot fewer people. It's a nefarious ag- agenda if there ever was one. And it's not uh, a theory. These, these people write about what they desire. It's not hidden. And it's about time we wake up, grow up, become mature and see that there are people out here that do not share our ideals. And many of them right now are in the Democrat Party and those that are existing in the Republican Party also need to be rooted out so we can restore this Republican form of governance. The climate change agenda is really part and parcel of the bigger socialist agenda. People forget that, you know, it was AOC who came up with the whole Green New Deal idea. And her chief of staff met with the uh, Governor Inslee in Washington State uh, as his climate change committee. And uh, the people in the climate change committee thought that this whole movement was about the environment. But he said, oh, no, we came up with this Green New Deal because we wanted to change America from 
a republic to a socialist state. And he overtly admitted that. Mm-hmm. And that was in July of 2019. People don't remember that. They didn't reflect upon it at the time because the media didn't give them the full dose of it. But in no. fact, the reality of this is that it's all about a power grab. It's about depriving people of individual liberty and sovereignty so that they can rule without mm-hmm. restraint. And inside the bureaucracy, ever since before uh, the 1880s, inside the federal bureaucracy, there has been a movement afoot uh, to achieve this socialist uh, transformation of America. The administrative state is in and of itself unconstitutional. It, you know, you, you have vested powers in Congress and uh, the executive and the judiciary that are actually vested, meaning that they can't be redelegated. So they violated a fundamental precept and principle and, in fact, a literal requirement of the Constitution when they transferred legislative, executive and judicial power outside of the branches of the government mm-hmm. into the bureaucracy in the first instance. And that was intentional. Felix Frankfurter, a justice of the later a justice of the Supreme Court, uh, was instrumental all the way back to the start of the progressive era in pushing for this movement to disarm the barriers to government power that were in the Constitution. They thought that because of the industrial age, there was no way, they thought, for an agrarian society into which the Constitution arose that it could survive without it disabling ability of people to solve problems. They had no faith in individuals. They believed that people, if left to their own devices, were evil. And this whole flipping of the of the classical liberal model on its head was what they did. And, uh, and they created this massive uh, administrative state that now makes two thirds of all federal law and also uh, regulates every aspect of Americans' lives. So if we're going to be a free people, we got to deal with that problem. And, you know, I wrote a bill for Ron Paul many years ago, and I'd like to see that thing get passed. It's called the Congressional Responsibility and Accountability Act, and it would prevent the bureaucracy from passing any law, uh, that is, any regulation, mm-hmm. unless it was passed into law by Congress, Congress, in which the Constitution requires. That'd be terrific, and wouldn't it? Would also, it would also take existing regulations and sunset them all within three years unless Congress passed them into law, too. This would put the responsibility back on the elected representatives. They'd have to answer to their constituents if they voted to keep any of these agencies alive or if they voted for any specific regulation. the kind of awesomeness that if, Emord or when Emord is in the Senate, the U.S. Senate, and not only would he submit bills like this already well written and probably even crafted more over the years, but the ability, Jonathan, to I don't know if pontificate is the right word, but in other words, back this up to communicate, articulate it and really defend it, whereas most people. They don't write their own bills. They have no knowledge of what they're just bringing stuff forward that they they couldn't argue you know, if they were in a wet paper sack to get out of it. I mean, that's how bad it is there. So, Jonathan, tell, tell us what you would what you would see as the ideal. Eliminate this, eliminate that, eliminate the other. Tell us what, what I would like to see is a government pared down as much as possible. And by that, I mean, in any instance where there is action by government that does not Uh, is not for the purpose of protecting a person who is actually injured 
from harm or from the immediate threat of harm, the federal government ought not be there. That as a number one principle ought to be the case. So that all these academic regulations that are really for anti-competitive purposes to, to protect incumbent businesses from competition. So you got the Federal Communications Commission. Federal Communications Commission licensing system is designed to protect the big broadcasters from any competition arising from in upstart new media companies. That was knocked in the head during the Reagan administration. I was there then. And that whole movement needs to be continued. We need to take the airwaves, for example, and privatize them. There's no reason why the government should be presumed the owner of the electromagnetic spectrum uh, and divvy up uh, licenses. Instead, those that are operating on those licenses right now ought to have them converted into property rights. And there ought to be a free market of buying and selling media properties without government interference. That would encourage a massive increase in competition in media, would help reduce a lot of this control that is being exercised through the web by uh, big tech over content. But that's just one example. We ought to get rid of entirely the Federal Trade Commission. The Federal Trade Commission, Reagan slated for elimination. It would be a very wise thing to do. It has done enormous mischief. It is a political beast that is now pursuing a very far left agenda. It has always been a political beast and it does absolutely nothing. And I mean zero to improve the, the marketplace or help anybody. Most of what FTC does is go after politically identified targets for the purpose of censoring them and cowing them into mm -hmm. not being competitive in the market and to be punished for free enterprise. We and need non non uh, FDA or non uh, pharmaceutical products. Right. To I was thinking that because you think about not only the political, because people think political targets, but no, you think about all of the dietary supplement manufacturers that have sound science, good products, on, and they are not free to communicate the valid science that they have. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, there's a very simple answer to all of that. Let me ask you this. Is this are you going to say move the foods and supplements over to the USDA from the FDA? No. What I'm going to say is absolutely strip the FDA of any power whatsoever to review or censor speech. They should have no power whatsoever. It's yeah. a prior restraint on speech. They should have no role. The Justice Department ought to exclusively be in the business of going after actual fraud. That's right, true. fraud. If yeah. somebody is defrauded, if someone's actually injured, then there ought to be litigation and it ought to come from the government. But when it comes to determining, you know, the relative value of speech and whether it misleads people because they didn't actually get a full benefit of some sort. Let the marketplace rule on that. Let competitors rule on that. There are also, you know, people can sue over that. But to have the government come in like the FTC does and the FDA uh, does mm -hmm. and, and tell people that they can't have information that's backed by truthful science they can't have the science. They can't understand what it does. All they can be told is what the government will allow them to do. I mean, that's censorship writ large. The First Amendment of the Constitution vests a trust and a sovereignty in people to decide what's in their own best interest, not for the government to lord over them like some massive nanny state and tell them what they can and cannot hear 
or receive. This goes to big tech too and censorship of uh, information. The government's colluding with the, the Democrat party and uh, leading Democrats are colluding with big tech to censor conservative voices, to censor any criticism of the regime, for example, on COVID, uh, no allowance of any contradiction to the vaccine, no allowance of any uh, discussion of ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine. That is an outrage. We have a free marketplace of ideas under the First Amendment that must be protected. Everybody has a right to receive the information. Government can't censor information on the fear that you will react to it in a way the government doesn't like. That's classic uh, censorship. That is classic Soviet-style propaganda. We have got to get our country back. We have to take America back. And the, a big part of it is getting government out of the business of policing the marketplace when no one is injured. And to get government out of the idea marketplace and get government out of the marketplace, period. And there ought to be a big hurdle for government to intervene in the market. You know, another thing, we, we should get rid of administrative courts. You don't have any protection whatsoever in administrative courts. You're presumed guilty until you prove yourself innocent. That's contrary to the Constitution. Yeah. You don't, it, they have general warrants in the administrative state. They can go after you any bit of information. Well, wasn't that part, going back to the Declaration of Independence, that kind of behavior by government that led to the American Revolution? Yeah. And, and yes, exactly, because the courts of Star Chamber and the courts of High Commission were condemned by the Founding Fathers. That's why they adopted the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. And the whole point here is you must be presumed innocent, and that must have meaning. You must have all of the rights that is, are allowed you in a court of law. Now, here's the thing. Administrative courts are a fraud, and they are patsies for the administrative agencies. The agencies are the ones that charge you with an offense. And then they prosecute you in their own courts. Mm -hmm. And the prosecutor is also the ultimate judge because the agencies lord over the administrative law judges. When they decide a case, it goes up, it is appealed to the agency itself. So the agency that is the prosecutor is also the ultimate judge. And that you can't have that. That's a, that's a violation of your rights to due process. So we get rid of the administrative courts. If an agency wants to go after somebody, they got to go into an Article Three court. They have to prove their case. And there's no deference to the agency. None. We ought to have it just like a regular case. The agency comes in, presents its evidence. If it can convince the judge that a crime or a violation has happened, uh, then fine. An independent Article Three judge. No, no more of this nonsense of administrative courts. They were supposed to be gotten rid of at the time of the founding, and they were intentionally attacked by the founding fathers. They are a threat. In fact, they are a source of violation of our rights every day in America. So how do you handle a situation like you're aware of where a farmer sees a, a, a clinical study from a major university that says that their produce cause, uh, redu reduces, reverses this, reverses gout, for instance. And, and they just put that link to that university on their own website. And then the FTC shuts them down and it costs them a million dollars and a 
consent decree. I, yeah. I just got that. This is gross government abuse. The fact of the matter is FTC isn't the end all be all of science in the world. There are a bunch of lawyers and politicians. That's what the FTC is. And we want a free marketplace in science. And we want consumers to be a part of it. We don't want to have this elitist environment where the only people who have access to science are the ones that are in government committees or get government grants. We don't want that. What we want is all Americans to have the privilege of being able to receive information. Now here, it's up to each individual to evaluate the relative merit of any of this information. So look, that's what freedom is all about. You allow people to communicate even ideas and information you oppose. In fact, especially that. So for these government people who think, oh, no, you know, we can't allow people to think that uh, 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 a, uh, a cherry uh, in, uh, what's that kind of cherry? Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the, bang, the, 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 the tart, tart cherry. Tart cherry. The gout. Or yeah, yeah. Now, seven yeah. cherries a day or something like that. Six cherries. Yeah, so tart cherries, the acid in the tart cherries and the particular nutrients have been shown in various studies to have an effect on reducing, uh, you know, arthritis and, and gout. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, that information needs to be communicated. It needs to be out there everywhere. Whenever you, I mean, if, in, in, if I were successful in getting a laws passed that I want, what would happen is you would go into the grocery store and you would have all sorts of information about the various food sor sources there, supplements, whatever. And you'd be able to gather as much as you want. So, you you know, you look at scientific studies or whatever, and you'd have competing products. And they say, hey, we have more of this and this is why. They'd be able to explain all that. Well, look, what would that do? What, what that would do is increase the uh, information available to consumers so they can make an informed Form decision and reduce health care costs. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. But, of course, reduced uh, sales of euloric prescription drugs, reduced well, sales of uh, non-steroidal and steroidal drugs. It would put the power back in the hands of the people to decide for their individual selves and families what's in their own best interest. And the idea that, you know, information is by definition imperfect. You can never have perfect information. The government's always saying, okay, well, it's got to be proven to a conclusive degree. Oh, yeah? Well, nothing in science is ever proven to a conclusive degree. I still have people. I won that case, the Pearson versus Shalala case. Mm -hmm. And out of that case came the folic acid neural tube defect birth uh, claim for uh, supplements. Mm -hmm. And even to this day, there are people who still in the scientific community say that folic acid will not reduce the risk of neural tube defect bursts. They're an extreme minority, but nevertheless, they're there. Well, in point of fact, what has happened is that the availability of that information in the market has caused an estimated 2,500 preventable neural tube defect bursts to drop to almost zero and to cause countless NTD-related abortions to disappear. So there are no more abortions. So it has actually caused a huge increase in uh, the welfare of kids, mm -hmm. of children. And th that whole approach, the more information you give to people, you know, people aren't stupid. Uh, that's the, the government assumes everybody's stupid, that they yeah, can't probably. think for themselves. Well, what they really assume is that they don't want them to think for themselves. Mm -hmm. But what they tell the courts is, well, you know, if they, they've said this in my cases over and over again. 
Well, if infra, if they're given information about how selenium reduces the risk of cancer, mm-hmm. well, they'll consume mass quantities of selenium and hurt themselves more than what is labeled on the label. Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you're going to say that information about a health benefit will lead people to mass jets. Well, in in the meantime, the suppression of drink. Do we do we all die from? over uh, consumption of water because we know water will prevent dehydration. Right. I mean, come on, people don't yeah. do that. People have brains. And furthermore, if they did do that, if they did eat to excess or whatever, that is an unfortunate choice that they have made. Uh, and, you know, we have to pay the price for our own choices in this. How many system. people were healed in the meantime? Right. And, and remember also the supplements or the, the food that they eat, it, it's self-limiting in a sense when you stop over-consuming while the correction happens very naturally versus the proper, much less overconsumption of pharmaceutical drugs, of which they say, speak all you want about those. Third leading cause of death in America, Journal of American Medical Association, year 2000, Starfield Report, we call it, and many other peer-reviewed articles. So the question is, we know the FDA is a captured agency, but many people might not realize the FTC is as well, right? You've gone up against the FTC. Who has captured the FTC to control the flow of information? Well, the FTC, a uh, majority of the commissioners on the FTC are appointed by the president for, from his own or her own party. And as a result, you end up with this group that is doing the president's bidding and beating apart the market. So you get, when you have a socialist like we have now in the White House, he says, go after all these companies, mm-hmm. but they won't go after the big uh, the companies that uh, big give big donations to uh, to Biden. So that's why they all line up. You know, it's one of the reasons they can, they can buy protection. It's a, it's a corrupt regime. It is terribly corrupt. If you read my book, the authoritarians, I give you several examples of FTC abuse of power. And, you know, the ECM biofilms case is a classic example of how, you know, I went through that whole case, the administrative law judge uncharacteristically decided in my favor, in favor of my client. Um, and that was based on overwhelming evidence that we marshaled to show that that company, which makes a, uh, a, 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 a biota that it infuses into conventional plastics, it's fascinating, mm-hmm. at a specific temperature, if it's, if it's too hot, it kills the biota. So you got to do it, and, and it's infused like a colorant. It actually causes conventional plastics to become biodegradable. Not at not when, yeah. it, when the conventional plastic, like a, say used in a car, like in the in the exterior of a car, when that's used uh, to drive, it maintains its full strength and does not diminish that strength. But when it's taken off and thrown into a landfill or into dirt, uh, the the biota begins to break it down. And and yeah. they proved actually, which is quite extraordinary. It had been dogma that it, it was not possible. They proved that certain uh, critters, microbiological animals that eat this food source would actually eat through the plastic in order to get to the food source. And they also proved th- through gas evolution tests done not by themselves, but by companies that were interested in the product, what they would do is they would give samples mm-hmm. to, to companies like 3M, big companies, and those companies would test the product to see if biodegradation would take in a gas evolution test, the standard test used to test for biodegradation. 
And over and over again, over 20 tests, uh, they had substantial biodegradation taking place when the ambient environment was right. So you, you've got a, a situation where this is great, right? Because you, you've got something that would otherwise not break down in nature uh, for perhaps a million years, breaking down in nature in hundreds of years and uh, saving the environment from the burden. Well, the FTC went after this guy, said you can't use the term biodegradable. Redefine the term biodegradable uh, by law to mean this ridiculous thing, that you can only use the term biodegradable if a, if a substance breaks down in nature within one year of customary disposal into elements. Now, here's the thing. This is idiotic. Anybody who has a basic science understanding knows that nothing breaks down into elements. It breaks down into compounds. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, no one, it, it, no one who has any understanding of the science of biodegradation would put a year cap on it. I mean, tree, tree limbs take over a year to break down completely in nature. A banana peel takes down more than that. I mean, you know, an apple can take as long, depending on the environment, as a year to completely break down, or an orange, certainly. Mm -hmm. But they're all biodegradable. Uh, but to, to re have a government speak definition, you may not use that term unless you meet this definition. Yeah. Outrageous. And that's what the FTC did. Why? Because it was taking the competitors of my client and protecting them. They lobbied for this. And so they got the benefit because yeah. they had oxy uh, biodegradables, you know, that would break down in sunlight or break down just by in a matter of days. And they couldn't sell them. These are innovations that improve the environment. And yeah. yet they are fought tooth and nail against by a government that claims to be for the environment. And, and they really don't care. They don't care about the consequences at all. FTC will go after a company. They'll cause mass unemployment. They could not care less. They're a wrecking ball going through the economy, destroying jobs, ruining people's lives, and making uh, us all less uh, rich in the sense that our options are continuously reduced. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly, you know, we won that case before the ALJ. But remember, I said, that the agency is the prosecutor and the ultimate judge. So then the appeal goes from the ALJ. Actually, the ALJ decision is considered only a recommendation to the commission. It goes up to the commission. They ignored all of the evidence that was contrary to their position. I even impeached their expert uh, by showing that he had created the definition in his report of biodegradable that was given to him by the government's counsel. It contradicted his own publications on biodegradation and his own definition in the published literature. Mm -hmm. And he, it, parts of his expert report that were critical to the ultimate opinion he gave, which also was the government's opinion, mm -hmm. was created by the government itself. Mm -hmm. So what corruption? You know, we talk about an independent expert. So he was impeached. And then they had another expert on there who we impeached because he didn't have chain of custody proven. Uh, but anyway, and it, they're just so doggone corrupt. But what do we do about the merry-go-round at the FDA from pharma, big pharma coming and running the FDA, and they go back to big pharma and back to the FDA and that, mm -hmm. that whole thing? What yes. The director of the FDA Office of Drug Safety, David Graham, testifying repeatedly before Congress that FDA is a captive of the drug industry. You've got loads of, of emails that came out in congressional hearings between the head of the drug, uh, the, the Center for Drug Evaluation and drug companies 
where the drug companies are complaining about the, the reviewers on their drug applications. How did they know that? Mm-hmm. And, and they're changing them to accommodate the drug companies. So they're more favorable. They, they would suppress information critical yeah. of drug applications. They would also protect them in the market. So they'd be saying this correspondence coming from uh, uh, drug company executives to the FDA saying, hey, look, we've got a problem. There's all this public uh, angst about our drug. Can you help us? Oh, yes, we will. We'll, we'll uh, issue this statement about how safe your drug is or whatever. I mean, the corruption is enormous. Mm-hmm. Enormous. And it's all there. What do we do about it, though? Never done anything about it. Congress has not introduced a single bill to, to rein in these abuses. We get Jonathan Emord in the U.S. Senate so that something can be done about it because within the court systems, as you pointed out, uh, the judiciary has captured the capturing within the administrative agencies and these administrative law judges. All of this is just an absolute. Well, you said the star chamber as well, but the fix is in before you even get there. You're guilty until you can't be proven innocent, because even if you are, they still ignore you. This is why Jonathan E. Mortis planning to if if everybody comes through and he gets to that they're going to yeah by march of 2023 if we get a million dollars raised across this great land jonathan emord will officially declare for the u.s senate in virginia which is what we want to see and we see that uh in the visual if you're watching emord for va.com emord for va for virginia for va.com the first person if it hasn't already been done already in the robert scott bell show audience that donates to the campaign or the the exploratory committee (laughs) <laughs> You'll get this pen that Jonathan is holding up right now. Cool pen. Uh, pen. I've used it, you know, I've used it in case after case. So this is a lovely little item. Yeah, it's it's witness to amazing things. Uh, <laughs> also, on the uh, uh, environmental front, I want to come back, circle back to that because it's all related. Everything that we're talking about today, in terms of the promotion of this idea of climate change or global warming, whatever they're going to call it, global cooling. Uh, recognizing that those that have uh, an inclination to say, I'm for the environment. And quite honestly, I think we all are. We have to live in it. But the idea is what would actually help it, what would actually help the people in it versus what would lock down our freedom and cause us to be much poorer and perhaps much long, uh, shorter in our, in our lifespan. If you are to turn over the control of the environment to the government or a supranational government, like a global government, you will find like in socialism and communist governments, they are the worst offenders of pollution in the world. The Chinese government, Chinese communist government, Venezuela, as it broke down, people were burning anything and everything. And uh, Russia, the former Soviet Union, you want to talk about an environmental record of disastrous proportions beyond anything that was bad. And there was bad stuff going on everywhere, including the U.S. at the time. But, oh, my gosh, these communist governments, they didn't care for the environment at all. Uh, We have a video clip, Super Don, if you want to play it real quick, about uh, the United Nations officials uh, gaming the system on uh, environmental searches, search terms, et cetera, leading to conclusions that are not sound science, but that would lead to destructive pollution because of centralized bureaucracies and a global communist governance. So, uh, Superdon, if you have that clip, go ahead and play that now. You know, we partnered with Google, for example. If you Google climate change, you will, at the top of your search, you will get all kinds of UN resources. We 
started this partnership when we were shocked to see that when we Googled climate change, we were getting incredibly distorted uh, information right at the top. So we, we're becoming much more proactive. Um, you know, we own the science and we think that the world, you know, should know it. And, and the platforms themselves also do. Um, but again, it's, it's, it is, um, it's, it's a huge, huge challenge that I think all sectors of society need to be very active in. You're free to know anything about climate change as long as the UN owns the science. The World Economic Forum presentation you just witnessed is exactly what Jonathan Ebor has been talking about, our captured regulatory agencies suppressing freedom of speech, suppressing information, the free flow of information, leading to one world governance where they will pollute and you will like it. Yeah, the UN is a nice place if you're a control freak. That woman is clearly a total control freak. She doesn't want you to have access to any information that she doesn't think is good for you. And that is the destruction of freedom. That's the loss. It's gone. So when Google becomes a patsy for the UN and censors information that this woman or others think at the UN ought not be presented to people mm -hmm. in favor of their politically correct propaganda, you are at an end. Innovation is at an end. Debate is at an end. Freedom is at an end. Isn't it our biggest problem today? It is a huge problem. It's a huge problem on college campuses. It's a huge problem in the media. It's a huge problem in big tech. Everything, I mean, you know, Robert and I know well, this program's been censored a whole bunch of times, right, Robert? Oh, I yeah. mean, we, we, you just, during the pandemic, you if you uttered a peep in criticism of the vaccine, bingo, then his program's gone. Or if you dared say there was something good about ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine, they would kick you right off the platform as well. And we can't allow this type of censorship. We can't. We have to act against it. And we have to ensure a wide open, robust forum for debate. Now, that's not to say that we take away the editorial freedom of broadcasters. No. We protect that, of sure. course. Property and speech go hand in hand together. You can't tell your neighbor, gee, I like your large uh, lawn. I want to have a, I want to, I want to have a, a, a socialist convention in your backyard today. So move over. No, they have the property, right? They determine what gets to be spoken there and so on. And so it is. But what we have here is collusion between the government and the uh, platforms for communication, just Media like companies. I saw UN doing it with uh, Google. Google searches. Yeah. And complete control. Illegal. Yeah and we should take action against it. And there has to, we have to prevent this collusion. We have to do it by passing legislation that makes it a crime for a government uh, agent or representative uh, uh, or official to communicate with the media for the purpose of censoring information or uh, propounding a propagandistic message to the public. And if we don't do that, uh, what we see with the Biden administration, by the way, they do that every single day. They're colluding with with big tech every single day. They're colluding. Yeah, emails right. are coming out to show that it was not uh, the independent decision of Google or search engines to suppress uh, the speech of those people that might, you know, put 
post something on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, that these things were directly controlled or if not indicated by email directions from Fauci, from others in the agencies of the government, from the Biden administration. That's coming out now in discovery processes, et cetera, on these suits. And it's not looking like they have plausible deniability anymore. Well, the things the things we've been advocating and the whole uh, Integrative Medicine Coalition that we, we haven't been wrong yet. The stuff we've been talking about, all the major stuff we've been talking about, about the way it's being treated and the and the, the vaccinations, mm-hmm. all the sort of thing, it, the, the, the information is coming out daily that just confirms that the truth about what we've been saying. And those things have gotten us censored on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even if you even if you were not correct, ultimately, even if something proved you to be di- incorrect and this is part of the evolution of science to have the right to speak about the science you're working on and what you, evidence you have is part and parcel of the process of free speech, the evolution of information. That's the only way innovation happens yeah. is through trial and error. That's right. And, and you've got to allow medical science to evolve and all other areas to evolve mm-hmm. through that same process, including political understanding. I mean, people... Exactly. If you if you don't allow your enemy uh, to communicate a message, then you will never fully understand why you disagree with your enemy, or you may find yourself suddenly uh, uh, surprised by the fact that you've been convinced. But the point is, uh, freedom and progress go hand in hand. If we don't have freedom, we don't have progress. If we don't have free speech, we don't have innovation. If you want to trade off this approach, look at Lysenkoism in the former Soviet Union when they adopted one scientific platform and censored everything else. They put themselves into the Stone Age. We advanced way beyond them because mm-hmm. we had an open, robust scientific uh, information marketplace, exactly. which has been shut down during the pandemic, and they're still not letting it Yeah. How many people have to suffer and die because they're trying to suppress the free flow of information, debate, discussion, all the things that lead to innovation and lead to advancement? Those progressives are are anything but progressive in terms of progress when we talk about improvement and enhancement. Uh, Jonathan, as we wrap up the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition here on the Robert Scott Bell Show at Casey Krejci's house, where you will be meeting for a very, very special event coming up. I did, have you guys set a date for this yet? We have, a, still- we have a tentative 21st of this month. Of this month, October? Yeah. Wow. So that's like the week after we do, uh, the we do Health need Freedom to talk. Expo. Me and your, uh, me, you and your campaign manager, we need to chat. Yeah, for sure. To get all that. But I will just say this. Everybody that's coming to the Health Freedom Expo will get the sneakiest of sneak previews. It won't be sneaky at all. It'll be right out there for you to see and experience. We're going to have our first official meeting fundraiser event. And, and um, we've got so many amazing people that are going to be there with us. Jonathan, I'm so excited for this. Um, there's going to be some very special giveaways too. I think at that event, uh, that potentially for those that, uh, are, are, are most generous in their, uh, support of your exploratory committee to lead into yeah, your yeah, Senate yeah, run. at the health freedom expo, Robert, if I can mm-hmm. find it, there it is. Um, at the health freedom expo, Robert, yeah. we're going to be giving away mm-hmm. this, which is the hardback copy the one of the few remaining ones, they're not available in the market anymore. It's out of print. Yeah. An autographed copy of my first book, Freedom Technology and the First Amendment. Uh, and it's rather valuable. So yes. 
come to the Health Freedom Expo. What is that on October the fifteenth and sixteenth? And we're going to be together, all of us. And, and we, yeah, yeah, and it's a special event that we're holding there with Congressman Dan Burton, with the former Attorney General, Assistant Attorney General of the United States, Joe Morris, under uh, Ed Meese in the Reagan administration. All of these great men have endorsed me for the ultimate position of the United States Senator, and they are going to be having a wonderful event. So yeah. come on come on over, and then you'll be able to get this puppy if you yep. contribute the most. <laughs> I, I want to add that, you know, I supported Jonathan uh, when he first when we first spoke, mm-hmm. I didn't need a pen or a book or anything because yeah. I you've been That's my right. lawyer for almost two decades, yeah. maybe two decades, and and you're extraordinary. I mean, you're, you're the best at what you do, and yeah. and we need you, and we need you there, and we're there for you. And uh, we've got to wrap up this hour, Jonathan. Thank you for being with me on the show as always, and we look forward to seeing you in Chicago next week at the Health Freedom Expo. Thank you all for being here. We got a bonus round coming up, Pam Popper and the late great Chris Barr. Uh, if you missed those shows, they're coming up after the break. God's honest truth, though, it's the power to heal, and it's yours. The Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. I listen to get accurate, up-to-date information. I've learned so much from him. It is awesome. It's the best entertainment that I've found. You rock the health world. Keep it up. I love you. Now, the voice of health, freedom, and liberty, here's Robert Scott Bell. Days a week, and I'm so glad uh, we were able to do some Sacred Fire of Liberty with Jonathan Emore. But that Sacred Fire is lit and lit again because this hour we have Pam Popper back on MakeAmericansFreeAgain.com. And the Thursday meetings are going great. We got a lot of our audience that have plugged into it. And, you know, I've got stories to share about, you know, my experiences in getting together in people's homes and what is naturally and organically happening from just getting together again breathing the yeah. same air as other people and nobody's afraid it's just right. been great you were inspired right. you are inspired well thank you thanks and you know this importance of getting together and first of all we're defying our rulers which is kind of fun when you think about it and we realized what a terrible thing they did to us to separate us we cannot let that stand right so we have to get together And I've been doing some videos lately. I'm not usually a person who shares a lot about myself. I've always been a fact girl, you know, but I've been talking about severed relationships and this sort of thing. Everybody's suffering from this. And what's happened is the Thursday groups are a way for you to have new people to connect with, which Mm -hmm. takes, I'm not saying that you don't care about this relationship that, you know, you have a a colleague or a friend or whatever who won't talk to you now over the vaccine or whatever. You should feel bad about that. We all do. But connecting with other people takes the sting out of it. It lets you form new associations. Mm-hmm. And I think what we're, they always talk about this great reset. I'm going through a great reset in my life. It's just not the one they envisioned where I have different tribes that I belong to now than I did before. Right. I'm happier actually in my new tribes, people who think that's become something that we look for, right? Thinking people. Right. And it so even, that's, it isn't a, even, that's a magical thing. Yeah, it isn't even like people who think like me exactly. It's people who think. Oh, right. that's awesome. 
right? And to your point, too, I, I've had a lot of experiences with this. People come and they, oh, it's a little bit of a commiseration, too, to describe what you, look, I've lost a family member over this. And, and I'm not even talking they died. I'm saying we don't communicate. They, they don't mm-hmm. want to talk to me because of my beliefs right. about mass and on and on. And, and you're right. There's a wound there that is very real and it's emotional. But there's also a catharsis when you can talk mm-hmm. about that with other people and say, yeah, you know what? I've lost contact in this case, too. And we're, we're, we're sad about it. But you're right. Mm-hmm. It also it's I'm getting chills as I'm saying this. It's opening up new pathways of communication with a new mm-hmm. tribe, a tribe that appreciates and respects the things that we do and fundamentally freedom. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, if that doesn't draw us together, then of course, maybe people have a different value system and you wouldn't normally hang out with them anyway, other than my, they may have been blood related. And it's Mm -hmm. unfortunate when those things break down. It is, it is. But I'm one of the things I've realized, and I've I've talked about this a lot lately is I didn't realize how fragile some of the long-term relationships I had were. In other words, a a relationship that all you have to do is have a difference of opinion about something and it's over, that's very fragile. Mm. And so actually some of the relationships that I've formed since this all started are newer in terms of duration, but deeper in terms of, um, you know, common ground and respect and all that sort of thing. And, and so I think we're going to all be better off. There's a, there's just a cleansing and an awakening going on. They talk about the great awakening. There's a great awakening going on. We're finding out who's thinking, who's not thinking. We're finding out um, who's for communism, who isn't. We're finding out how many people think medicine is the answer to everything. Believe anything these people say, I kind of think they're dangerous, actually glad to be away from them. And, um, and we're, we are rearranging our lives in some productive ways. And I, and I think that's a good thing actually. So we got the uh, make Americans free again website. I'm just going to bring it up on the screen. If you're just new to this show and and this, this movement, which uh, is again, quite organic from the ideas and inspirations that are out there. And and Pam's been a prime motivator in this, but other people are now, you know, taking it and and Mm -hmm. creating a new, however it manifests, wherever you are uh, the new normal citizens in charge, make Americans free again. And coming together again, very beautifully, like it used to be. Used to be in a community, and everyone know one another. It's like that didn't. Well, it it can happen again. It is happening again because we found out it was not a good idea to abandon, you know, one another the way we right. did. And it's well, taken this to, to learn that. There's- there's another thing that's going on too, and I mentioned this to you before we started today, mm-hmm. and that is that we're connecting in a different way. So um, I was like everybody else when all this censorship started. Oh my gosh, I post something on Facebook, it gets taken down. I'm on probation with YouTube because of my some of the things I, I said about our lawsuits. I mean, you can't even report on your litigation. And I was sad about it, but then I started thinking, you know, we got we got to a place in our country where we thought that communication was posting something on social media. That's not communication. That's advertising maybe, I don't know what you call it. Communication is when I call somebody and say, I have a group that meets on Thursday night, do you wanna come? Mm -hmm. It's when I send an email to somebody I know and say, can we set up a time to talk? That is communication. It's when I go to my Thursday group and we all have conversation, right? So, So what happened, and I've said many times, the criminals did not think this through very well because they just didn't, they didn't do enough scenario planning for all the stuff that we've seen that they did. So what's happened is they've forced us to connect in much more meaningful ways. They would have been better off leaving us alone on Facebook because now we're actually talking to each other. And, um, and going back to that that 
uh, you know, person to person communication, which is so much more meaningful. And, um, and so it's uncomfortable. That's, a, that's an interesting thing. People are uncomfortable with it. Because when we start the Thursday group thing, every Thursday, I train a new group, and they're going, Oh, my gosh, I, I'm gonna start a group, I have to ask somebody over to my house. Isn't it amazing that that is a foreign thing for people to do. Mm. And then once they get back into doing it, like I spoke with a woman a little bit ago, and she goes, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would open up my house to a bunch of people, some of whom I don't know, and I'm having a blast, right? Mm -hmm. And and I used to have gatherings, I think 20 years ago, I used to have gatherings and people would be in my house, somebody brought, brought somebody who brought somebody, right? And we're doing that again. Yeah. We are doing that again. And um, and I don't think the criminals are going to like it when they find out about it because it's really bad for them. Great for us. Well, that's the the, the unintended uh, consequences of their actions. They thought they could frighten us enough that we would stay apart. But I think we got frightened enough by their reaction to a pretend scamdemic or whatever that uh, we overcame our fear again and said, you know what, <laughs> we, we've got to stop this. I remember, you know, as a younger man or a, I was almost say a boy, but I would travel uh, backpack through Europe at a time when none of this scenario was happening. And I would just visit with folks and they would invite me into their homes and groups mm -hmm. of young people. And it's like, wow, this is amazing. I've made friends that are still my friends to this day by doing that mm -hmm. from all over the world. Mm -hmm. And, and then I'd come back to America and tell them about this and like, wow, that's the weirdest thing. I never heard of that. You just open your home to people. And my gosh, the rewards, the, the blessings that would come from doing that. And I think we're, reinitializing something that can bring extraordinary blessings to our lives by bringing people together, by visiting with people. The very thing that we've seen, the disasters of stopping that from the people that needed it most, our, our elders, our grandparents, mm -hmm. those sick in hospitals, hospice, et cetera. And we have compassion and then we go, wow, but we need that too. In our mm -hmm. healthiest of states, it's going to make us healthier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, um, and so, you know, what there's a theory, and I think there's a lot of truth to it, that um, all of this, there's a, a design to this, not the criminals design, but in a cosmic sense, a design to this, that, mm -hmm. that you have to sometimes make things so awful, that people who weren't noticing before start to notice. And so, and that's happening. Okay, so when people start getting together, they realize how awful what was done to them was. They see nursing home care has never been fabulous. Well, we've gotten to see that. Because, I mean, it's horrific, right? Mm -hmm. The medical system, doctors have been lying to people for years. They are not, there is no penalty for doctors to recommend treatments that are ineffective, inappropriate, et cetera. There's no penalty for that, right? So, um, so this has been going on for a long, long time. And now everybody gets to see it. Well, people who want to see it, see it. Mm -hmm. So, so we will see forced change from all of this. We, our politicians, I have said for a long time, Paul, and I think you've talked about this too, politicians are not responsive. Well, I mean, people, I have conversations with people every day about their state legislatures mm -hmm. that simply do not care. Doesn't matter how many people write to them or whatever, they just do whatever they're going to do. And there's some exceptions, but very few actually. So for some things to get better, you have to blow things up and start again. And you have to, it, you just have to have something that you can't ignore. And so as awful as all this is, it just had to happen this way because I don't think that we could have gone on the way it was before for a very, for much longer without some type of implosion. Yeah. Anybody that's engaged in a holistic medical or non-medical healing practice, you know that you're seeing folks that have that concept, their life has blown up. You know, they've mm -hmm. tried to triage it this day and that way. And then they find medicine has its limitations. And then they look toward a more holistic 
uh, thought form, whether it be coming from a, a licensed doctor or not. And, and, you know, the suffering that precedes the awakening, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 the big question is like, why does God let us suffer? Right. And I, I think that God loves us enough to allow us to suffer, to wake up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By our choice, yeah. as opposed to, you know, being coerced or forced, you know, that kind of idea of government as a charitable institution via theft. They steal from somebody and say, you need it more. In the meantime, they take most of it and they give a little bit out and say, see how good we are. And, and these concepts don't play uh, once you wake up and see that. It's like, no, I could do much better helping my fellow man, woman and child myself, you know, via genuine charity and the definition of giving uh, unexpecting a reward just because it is it, it makes your heart happy. You know, right. And I think right. coming together makes it it makes my heart happy to see what's yeah. happening in the midst of some of the things that, you know, don't make my heart happy. You know, uh, right. so we're seeing a, a duality of life. And that's always been the case here, but maybe a little bit more intense right now because what's at stake. Right. And, and there's more connection to community. One of the things that we started a while ago and it's catching on in the Thursday groups is the small business rescue. And um, and this idea that you know uh, you buy things it's easy to get online and buy something have it delivered to your house but you know a mile away is a person who sells that in an independent business and you'd be much better off buying it from that person supporting your community and so i think that um the big box stores and a lot of the the bigger companies they've gotten a big uh boost out of this because of lack of choice and all that kind of thing but one of the things i want to do and i think the thursday groups are starting to do it is get people more connected to local business and i know that in our group i mean i have my own thursday group so i practice what i preach i'm not Mm -hmm. asking anybody to do something i'm not doing so in my own group i have i have gotten connected to businesses i would never have known about if i if we weren't doing this and i and i will be a repeat buyer i will buy more stuff from these people we've gone to businesses we never would have gone to before and met people we never would have met before and so this idea that you know i think for a while everybody's waiting for the government to save small business are you kidding me yeah. we have to save small business it's up to us right and and who cares about the government they're becoming the government is making itself irrelevant the elected officials they don't do anything for us the government, I mean, seriously, you're going to send $1,400 to a guy who has four kids and a, and his business is closed, and that'll take care of a whole lot, right? We better go take care of that. Yeah, we got to we do that. Step people, it up. Right? Yeah. yeah. Now, on the issue of, we've ta- talked to Tom Rents a few times here on the show and the mm-hmm. lawsuits, that there is some place that the courts, you know, play a role, especially when there are extreme violations of our fundamental mm-hmm. freedoms. And there's plenty of that going on with the scamdemic still as they, you know, go, oh, you get your shot and you get your freedom back. But not really. Just kidding. Uh, and there's a lot of threats on, on mandates and on and on it goes. Are there any updates? We'll get Tom back on. But are there any updates yeah. you could share with us today? Yeah. Um, the first thing is that uh, we've been successful just by filing. I mean, that's why Ohio didn't lock down again and New Mexico's opening up a little bit. So we win when we file. But um, one thing I, I always tell people, you've got to look at litigation the way that things happen. It's like watching paint dry. OK, so 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 you can't expect things to happen quickly. But just to take a, a step back and look at strategy, um, we are we now have uh, 12 approved chapters of um, Make Americans Free Again. And um, of those 12 chapters, we have six that have legal teams in place. So what that tells you, since we filed in three states, we have three more coming. Um, and we're growing all, you know, we're growing all the time. Money's being raised the whole nine yards. So we, we're well on our way that way. Um, one of the things that I think is important to understand is that the more we file, the luckier we get, because one of the things that we really want is discovery. 
Okay, that's key in a trial, because that's where you get the evidence from the other side that can prove what the other side did. All right. So just to tell you how valuable it is, you might know about Judicial Watch. And they've gotten through the Freedom of Information Act, a bunch of um, uh, Fauci emails that turned out to be a little treasure trove of what the little criminal has been up to, including with our criminal governor. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he just got a lot of videos and emails from CNN showing that they were very complicit in all of this stuff that has happened. Right. So here's my point. We are going to file in 48 states and all we need is one judge, one someplace in the United States of America who says, you know what? Discovery starts tomorrow. Those beautiful words. Right. And then once we get it in one place, it's usable every place because it's CDC. That's all federal stuff. Right. That drove all this. And then then we really uh, can go to town because even in the court of public opinion, when this kind of thing becomes known, it, mm-hmm. it does make a big difference. So um, so the strategy is that we we continue to build a legal team and um, and we are looking for that one judge that will give us discovery. We only need one. Remember and everything else happens. And then once we start, once all the dominoes start to fall, you've got this wonderful trained legal team in place. Okay, it's a national law firm and the offices are called the lawyers who filed the case in each state. And then the exciting stuff starts. The first thing is you go after these governors personally and these federal officials for what they did. They're all rich and you go after their assets. And then you start suing the airlines and the big box stores and the school systems. And, 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 and the, at that point in time, and th- these are monetary damages. Um, and then I think there will be some criminal penalties too. But, but I think more than anything, we want to make it unattractive for people to engage in this kind of behavior again. In case anybody's thinking in the back right. of their mind, they might try it again. We make it really unattractive. If you like your wealth and you like all that, maybe you're just not going to take a chance. And so I, I look at this from the standpoint of, yes, I wish everything could be magically taken care of tomorrow and we have no way of making all this go away. But um, but I think that we're doing well from the standpoint of the broad strategy moving in that direction every day. It gets better. It gets better. It gets, it gets better. And the other thing I want to tell you, because I like to be the good news girl, okay, is that the, the criminals behind this, their exit strategy is terrible. All right. I, I would if I were a consultant, I would have told them you guys got to do something better than this because it's like herding cats. Texas and Mississippi open up. You got 40,000 people at the Texas Rangers game and Fauci's tap dancing away trying to explain why they're not having a surge in Texas. Right. The governor of Alabama says we're going to have 111,000 people in the stadium this fall. And then Florida, you know, the governor says we're not having any vaccine passports and the other states are passing. So so everybody, you know, it's like the huff and puff in Washington, D.C. This is what we're going to do. And then the states are going, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. And uh, so it's kind of fun to watch it all unravel that way, because I think they're having a lot of trouble figuring out how to explain what's happening. Yeah. Well, folks, there are a lot of ways you could support these efforts. Sometimes you just donate some money to help out, but engaging, I think at the most fundamental level, Pam, is what you mm-hmm. kind of inspired. Start meeting if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward to hearing more stories about that. I, were t- I was talking to you before we went to air, I believe, on you know my, some of my experiences in that. The group mm-hmm. sometimes will be smaller, sometimes will be bigger. I mean, you'll, you'll have a natural ebb and flow in life. And there are times now we're seeing like a couple of the different groups saying, hey, let's get together. Let's, let's do a double group. And mm-hmm. a house is big enough. And it's like, it's amazing. You get to meet new people. And we got new friends. And then mm-hmm. there are events that occur that are might further afield that, that, you know, the people that are connected via the, these other methods and go, well, let's all this, t- this week, let's all go together and go to this event and support this event mm-hmm. and be part. And it's like, wow, 
why you know there's not there's not a fearless leader going follow me everybody's kind of going yeah let's do that yeah and then i have yeah. an event coming up and they're going well that's thursday we're all going to go to that event i'm like mm-hmm. dude this is awesome you know mm-hmm. this is something that i don't know that they counted on occurring and again mm-hmm. this is divine inspiration when these things happen i think it's bubbling up in a lot of people yeah well, I, I i'm a world war ii buff and it reminds me of what went on in world war ii and uh i mean there was an enormous resistance and hitler was furious and his his uh uh, lieutenants were furious about what happened. And it's just, um, I, I love reading the stories of people who, in spite of all that that was going on, they got Jewish children out of their country. And they, you know, wonder for the zookeeper's wife that they just made into a movie a couple of years ago is a good example of that. And I see that kind of thing happening. And I think what it comes down to is that this is not the first time that evil has prevailed in the world. It's a bigger episode of it because things are more connected than they used to be. But if you look back through history, it never lasts for it, it never lasts forever. Sooner or later, humans rise up and say, "You know what? Not going to do it." I was even reading um, in uh, Epic Times uh, an article about the fact that the Chinese government is in trouble in China. Mm. They are having a lot of trouble keeping control of all those people. There's a lot of um, a lot of resistance there. So I think we've always, you know, the people like Justin Trudeau look at the Chinese government and they admire how much they have their thumb on the people. Mm-hmm. And, and even the Chinese in a communist regime are having trouble holding down a billion people who are billion, 400 million people who are saying, no, we're just mm-hmm. not gonna do this anymore. So the whole world's changing and it's an exciting time to be alive. Not that I enjoy the misery that I see at all, but it's an exciting time to be alive. And I think when I'm 90, people will be asking me, what were you doing? Like back in 20 and 21, like, yeah. what was going on? Like, how was life like that? And, right. and this is something I've been telling people to think about. You know, there's two answers to what would, what were you doing? One is, well, you know, I went along to get along and I wore my mask and it was terrible and I hid in my house and I did what I was told. And then there's going to be the interesting stories. You know, we were rabble rousers. We refused to comply. I we never were, wore a mask. We I, were having you know, rallies. We were getting yeah. together and hugging one another and coming oh, into the, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had a great thing going on and we overcame. Yeah. That's the story we're going to tell, right? That's a fascinating way to look at it too, Pam. I think about, you know, when I was younger, talking to my elders, my grandparents and aunts and uncles about what was life like when you were a kid, even talking about World War II, Great Depression, Vietnam era, you know, these stories that were like history uh, that was a little fresher, of course, way back when. Now we look back, it's like, wow, are we connected to any of that? Do we understand how any of that happened? And yeah, there's going to be a time when we're here if you take care of yourself and you know, your path is to be here to help others where they'll ask you the, what did you do in this mm-hmm. year, in this last year? And I, the question I ask everybody who plans to be around for a while and have kids and grandkids, what do you want to be able to tell them? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think about that right. because I didn't know, I've said this before. I didn't know I was ready to have kids right when I got married, you know? And I'm like, how do you know when you're ready to have kids? And you know, my wife's like, oh, we gotta have kids. And I just imagined I got quiet and prayerful and I imagined my life 10 years into the future without kids. How did I feel? And I felt, well, I don't feel good. I felt very mm-hmm. low. You know, I felt sad. And then I imagined mm-hmm. with kids, I was like, oh, honey, I think I'm ready to have kids now. But mm-hmm. I had to actually imagine, you know, a time in the future. So it's a good mm-hmm. exercise to go forward in time and imagine when your kids or grandkids ask you, what did you do? Tell me about mm-hmm. what happened then. 
mm-hmm. think about that now as you make decisions about what you're doing today, tomorrow. What are you doing? What are you planning to do? And I hope that you're planning to get together with your friends and your, your new friends, mm-hmm. your neighbors in this way that, uh, Pam, you've inspired so many of us to do. Yeah. And, uh, and I, and I do think in, in, in a weird sort of way, it's like an incredibly exciting time to be alive, you know, cause I've, I've read back, I read a lot of history in general, not just world war two. Mm-hmm. And I think about how exciting it must've been to be part of the solution for any disaster that ever happened, whether it was a local disaster right. or a more global type of thing, what it must have been like to be meeting in the back of a bar before we started declaring our independence from England, you know, yeah. and and, yeah. Uh, uh, and you can cut good writers like David McCullough. They're really good at making you feel like you're in the moment, right. you know. Yep. And and that's sort of like the, I I have that feeling right now. It's like um, a nervous excitement almost when I get up every day uh, Mm -hmm. for those nights where I actually sleep, (laughs) which doesn't happen all the time, but um, a nervous excitement where you wake up and it's like, uh, I have to look at the, a few little media things so I know what's going on. And then it's like, Oh, I can't sit here anymore. I got to go get something done. You know, if I didn't run, I'd probably come up, just jump out of my. Oh, what happened there? We just lost her suddenly. Did she hit something? unintentionally there super don oh there's pam again i say yeah you did a little black out there just a moment too soon it's like i'm not ready to let her go almost there almost (laughs) that's the excitement of uh living in the moment right uh there's some things that happen you just roll with it and again it makes life more interesting not in a bad way right the chinese proverb may you live an interesting time well at the same time may you live in boring times i think that's a bigger curse but uh, we're, I not, do too. we're not at I all do bored too. by what's going on, by the way, I know you have, uh, you know, holistic, uh, concepts and what you do with the wellness forum health and things. And, and I'm going to explore the last 30 minutes of the show as I let you go in a moment, uh, on how we got here. If we had just adopted the ideas, the laws, the principles of life itself that Antoine Béchamp was trying to re- relate to the world. Instead, we adopted the fear porn of the germ theory of Louis Pasteur because he was friends with the emperor. So we're going to go back to that level of basic principles to understand that if we had followed the law of the terrain, they couldn't have pulled any of this off because mm-hmm. we were not afraid. We are not afraid of germs when we understand that we are more germ <laughs> than mammalian or human cells. Uh, exactly. So that's kind of the things we, which is kind of cool because that stuff has come up in some of our Thursday meetings where we actually talk yeah. about concepts. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, really? Because they already sensed it, but they didn't have words or principles to put to it. And so that's, for me, an exciting part of this that we can communicate about. There's areas of expertise that you have or that I have that someone doesn't have and they have. And it's just that's where the that cross pollination comes and we're strengthened because of it. Yeah, there are two things that the criminals don't want us talking about government and its limitations and medicine and its limitations. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of people, I think a lot of your listeners probably know this, but you know, medical doctors got control of medicine, not because they were really good, but because they did it through lobbying and spending money and they eliminated everything that wasn't them. And so I think that one of the things that's going to come out of this is we're going to, we, we have some plans to make sure that there's a resurgence and respect for alternatives to traditional medicine. I mean, if my, if my, if I fell on the sidewalk and my head is bleeding, I want to, I want a surgeon and I want anesthesia and I want all this stuff. Right. But, but, but we have gotten, we're, we're to the place where we're treating everything like that, you know? Yeah. 
Not everything's not a battlefield. It's a good idea. No, it's not because it's a good idea. And it's often because there's no other choice. Right. And no. so um, the medicine has overplayed its hand as being complicit in this. And people are saying, how can these doctors in these places go along with this? How? Well, they'll go along with almost anything. That's the problem because they're not very well trained and they don't really think very critically. And we have to get back in control of our health in so many ways. We have to get control of our government. We have to get control of our education system and we have got to get control of our healthcare system. The people have to, we got to take all that back and then we'll, we're just going to make the media irrelevant. I don't want to control the media. I just don't want to listen to them anymore. (laughs) Right. Make them obsolete by uh, disconnecting decoupling, uncoupling, and uh, Pam, makeamericansfreeagain.com, linked up in the show notes today. I want to hear everybody's stories about their Thursday meeting, or any day of the week you can do it. Again, there are days you have to sh- switch, but uh, we're having some great, great things happen. And Pam, appreciate you so, so very much. Thank you so much. Have a great day. All right. That's it for the moment, but we got a lot more coming. It is a very special day in history, and it relates to the law of the terrain and Antoine Beauchamp. Chris Barr, not a doc, is going to join us after this break with a celebration of that genius's life. And that's not an understatement to say that. Uh, but the abandonment of what he taught us is what led to what we are experiencing with this scamdemic. It would never have happened if we had listened to Antoine Béchamp. So stand by for that and a whole lot more on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Back in a moment. Well, I've been saying it many times over the years, but more critically in the last year plus, that if we adjust acknowledged the real genius that set the stage for freedom from fear of germs. We would not be in this mess. We would not be having to battle back a scamdemic because people would have laughed in the face of those who claim there's one little microvirus thing. It's going to kill us all unless we do all the announced the stupid stuff we've been doing. Joining us now, my good friend, he's known as not a doc. He is a champion for Antoine Béchamp. And those who have not heard of this man, this genius in history, you're keeping that fire lit along with the sacred fire of liberty that Jonathan Emore does. So, uh, Chris, it's good to see you, my friend. Yeah, it's great to be on. I wouldn't miss it. Uh, you know, this one of the most important days in the history of the world because, uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of one's death than of one's birth is to be observed. So uh, there's no greater name than Besham. I mean, look, he, he, even his name, B Champ. Mm-hmm. That's his B Champ, which is pronounced Besham. Uh, and you know, he changed my life as a teenager. Uh, and um, you know, it, thereby he changed countless tens of thousands of lives because my work is based on the foundations I discovered in this man who is still so little known. Uh, to this day and this is the day that he died uh 114 113 years ago uh well into his 92nd year still active vibrant uh, uh long after the devil pasteur was dead uh but you know the world had changed it passed him by because of politics right uh and you know, what's going on today uh you can directly take back to Besham verse the phony baloney pasteur, like the uh, modern day Fauci, uh, like the Dem- like the socialist Marx, like the Democratic Party now, like the uh, Darwinists, you know, all of that was in the 1850s. Here, Basham showed and declared 
it's the milieu which has now entered the English language as a word, but it's a French word, which you know English translates to terrain, but milieu is also used in the English language. Uh, he noted that the milieu, it's the condition of the host that determines illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when one doesn't take care of oneself, he noted the process of life is that of digestion, assimilation, disassimilation, and excretion. You know, long before that became popular in the latter part of the 20th century to understand about toxicity and cleansing, uh, Besham was already discovering and declaring and teaching that in the 1850s and said that we don't have to fear. Uh, And, you know, Pasteur was a knucklehead. People don't know their history. You know, that he wasn't even very bright. He he had no life training. I get so tired of people saying, oh, where'd you get your medical degree? <laughs> well, where did Pasteur get his? The foundation of modern medicine mm-hmm. is based upon Pasteurian foundations. And his degree was in physical chemistry, specializing in, in crystals. He had no biological training, no biochemical training, no medical training, nothing. So he wasn't smart enough to understand the works of Bisham, but he did know Bisham. And he was smart enough to know that guy knows things that nobody else knows. Mm-hmm. So he tried to steal his work, but he wasn't smart enough to understand it. So he came up with upside down, inside out understandings or applications of what Bisham was actually discovering. And then he lobbied academia. He lobbied the chief uh, members of the medical academy. He uh, lobbied uh, Emperor Napoleon III, became very close with the royal family. And through influence peddling, managed to sell the wrong ideas. And just like today in 2020 and 21, and they didn't work just like they're not working now. And he came up with vaccinations, which, you know, it doesn't get much play in this country, but many countries in Europe have already banned uh, several of the vaccines that are being trotted out to Americans. Well, that's not a new thing. That's not the first time it's happened at all. Pasteur came up with this whole nonsense, just like, you know, phony Fauci. And within just a few years, Many nations throughout Europe were banning vaccines because of the harm that they were doing, because of the death that they were causing. This is not something new. Uh, what, what was it? Uh, the old uh, George Santayana, British legislator back in the 19th century, those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Mm-hmm. You know, all of these things that, were, that are going on today harken back to the fraud of Pasteur the socialist Marxism of Karl Marx, the evolutionists, uh, the Darwinians, you know, uh, it all hastens back to their overwhelming through influence peddling with royalty and academia, mm-hmm. the truth that Bisham had founded. You know, when he died, Robert, it mm-hmm. took eight pages of the Monitor Scientifique just to list the titles of his published writings, uh, his medical uh, published statements and studies. There's nobody who's ever lived since then with that kind Mm -hmm. of a a background and and a a, a legacy. Uh, And, you know, the uh, biggest, the AMA back then was nothing. So the American Medical Association didn't even notice him. Of course, nobody cared about the American Medical Association in 1908. 
But the big journals were Nature and Lancet, which are still big journals today. Uh, and all of these noted how that the world would be greatly benefited when the fullness of this man's work came to light. And 113 years later, the world is still in the dark. Yeah. We talked a little bit about um, the openness even to consider these ideas that, you know, I was exposed to, of course, many years ago when I first started learning about homeopathy and organic agriculture, the terrain, the concept, the milieu, et cetera. I'd never heard of Béchamp growing up. Most people in America have not. And certainly you go to medical school, you'll still not hear of Béchamp in most American or Western medical schools. Some in Europe, they acknowledge that history, but I think they pay it lip service, if anything. Uh, and, you know, I learned of him from my mentor out of Belgium who taught me, you know, about these basics and introduced me to Béchamp and Bernard and also the criminal nature, if I can call it that, of Pasteur. And Pasteur, by borrowing, if you will, stealing from and bastardizing any semblance of, of, of what uh, Béchamp was bringing out, established this theory, they call it the germ theory, that meant that we ha- were in a permanent state of war against creation itself you want to talk about a luciferian ideology all that was created to keep to to give us this gift of life now we had to attack and destroy before it kills us this idea kill them all first before they kill you talking about microbes the invisibles and now they still claim today with electron microscopes they claim to have found new viral proteins that are just about to kill everybody they did it with the fraud of hiv and they're doing it with the fraud of covid And all because, again, we didn't pay attention to the one guy that could have stopped it all in its tracks from ever happening. Yes. And, you know, criminal is very accurate because plagiarism is crime. And, you know, he he made claims and they were false. You know, all all you have to do is get uh, Bisham or Pasteur, a book written 100 years ago that detailed with the details and the the uh, the studies published. um, Pasteur studies don't work. Many of them, some of them do, but many of them don't work. That's because he didn't do them. He just made things up uh, to and made conclusions that he understood from Bisham that he understood incorrectly. Bisham showed how that uh, microbes could be a problem when you don't take care of yourself, but that they weren't a problem if you did. So Pasteur took from that, oh, these little buggers are dangerous mm-hmm. rather than take care of yourself. And then he saw what Bisham was telling people was personal responsibility. Take care of the body you're given, the environment that you live in, you know, how you live. Take care of yourself. Pasteur translated that into we need heroes. You know, that's not a new concept now either. All this nonsense about all the heroes out there with right. all this garbage. You know, that's what Pasteur was selling. We need the academicians. We need the doctors. We need all these important people that we need to run to, to take care of us, you know, because we're at risk, you know, without them, that was all sold back then. And that's why it was received because business academia government was able to make a buck off of it. They were able to make profit off Mm -hmm. of it. There's no money to be made when somebody takes care of themselves. Right, right. When you recognize the power to heal is yours, it's been granted by a creator, and that all the things in you are there to support your life, not to destroy and kill you. Uh, it, you know, it changes the power structure on the planet that has evolved, particularly in the Western world, that looks to a hero class, to your and point. That is, so, that is so well stated. The power to heal is yours. Can I use that? Can I borrow that? It, it no, belongs to all of us. 
that that is Bisham in a nutshell. The power to heal is yours. Uh, whoever came up with that is genius. Um, <laughs> and it's pure Bisham, you know, but you can't have that and make money off of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, that's really why we are where we are is because uh, Bisham was ganged up on. You know, if people just read this book and see the details yeah. uh, and, and to note that vaccination was used because of Pasteur and it caused harm and failure and was outlawed. It was banned. Anti-vaxxers were appearing almost as fast as Jenner came out with his crazy cowpox uh, mess. You know, this is not, you know, of course, they didn't call him that in the same way that it became a, a you know, moniker and epithet. Uh, but can you repeat? Chris, for, for a lot of our new listeners that don't know about Bashan and want to read about him now, what books are available? Of course, we have linked up two of your articles, you know, that kind of summarize a bit of uh, Bashan's life. As you know, you can't do it justice in a little bit, but you do a great job of introducing a lot of people to this. But, but what books would you recommend and how can they get them? Well, Besham or Pasteur, uh, you know, there are various reprints available. Uh, the one that I finally got, I found uh, it's an old copy. I actually found it on Amazon uh, the other day. Uh, there are only two copies available. One of them is $900 and the other is $1,100. And no, I'm not selling mine. Oh, no. um, but there are various reprints and some of them are reprinted better than others and uh, easier to read or hard to read. There's one that uh, also combines it with R.B. Pearson's book, Pasteur, Plagiarist, Imposter. So you can get both books in uh, it, that's included in one of the reprints uh, of the Chambers Pasteur. Now, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. These books were written in the early 20th century by an English writer who wrote in a very standard, typical, very dry English manner. It's not easy reading. Uh, it's not fun to read. It's not entertaining. So uh, it's been more than 40 years now, and I have yet to find one person who has read this book from cover to cover. Making it through always, can be a chore, right? Yeah, you, you can even read reviews and they'll say, oh, this book's terrible. It's hard to read and there's great info, but it's hard to read. Well, take the time and work your way through it uh, because that's why we're in the pickle we're in now, because people haven't read this book for a hundred years. Hmm. Uh, I'm going on more than 40 right now that I'm still looking for the second person who's actually read it. It changed my whole life. Cover to cover. And uh, so it was written originally in English. It wasn't a French translation. No, it wasn't. It was, it was And it was because of an American, Dr. Montague Leverson, uh, who was an American, uh, it was a Maryland legislator. He was a medical doctor. He was a, can we say this? He was an anti-vaxxer. Okay. <laughs> Back in that, he was, uh, he met with Besham. Mm -hmm. uh, he took the boat over to France, met with him for about 10 days or two weeks, came back, and shortly after he arrived, received a telegram that Besham had passed. So he mm -hmm. literally was just about the last one to speak with Besham. And anyway, he went through a, a lot of work to find someone who would, a writer who would put this together. Uh, sadly, he found an English writer who's, again, it's very dry, but the information's priceless. So get it, read it, learn. We're in this pickle today because people have not read that book for 100 years. Mm. So they don't know all these facts and all the lies. Mm -hmm. uh, I love what uh, what Pam Popper said there that people don't realize at the end of her uh, time with you that 
medicine didn't take over because it was better. Uh, it took over because of the Flexner report, uh, Carnegie, Mellon, Rockefeller, uh, who all had ambushed Tesla and left us in a poorer state because of it. Well, those same people also were behind the Flexner report, and they drove out the com the uh, the competition. Mm-hmm. So they lifted up through a fraudulent report. That's a whole other history you can do if you look right. up that, how that report was put together. The whole purpose of it was to bring in drugs and hospitalization with government and academia and business all working hand in hand. That was the purpose of the Flexner Report. And they accomplished their goal with a lot of money. And again, influence peddling. Yeah. So no Basham, you know, no wholesome healing, just patent medicines. And it shifted the dominant belief system about healing, about medicine to uh, a belief that it's just bizarre that you can poison people back to health, right? That we have deficiencies of patent petrochemicals that somehow if we just put that in you, all will be right with the world again. It's a bizarre cult, really a death. Part of the reason that came about is there weren't very many cars in 1910. eh? And what were they going to do with all that oil? controlled all the oil well they could make drugs patent medicines with it and were and still are yeah so and that's why they went that way was to make a buck not to help people heal exactly and of course that view of of the the body or of life itself is devoid of spirit it's molecular reductionism even collectivism in that it looks at people as groups it doesn't take into account their uniqueness their individuality and then of course facilitates what the replacement of what would be vital force with toxic poison. So a a different view that embraces spirit as well as the body was abandoned by the allopaths at that point when they got exalted uh, status, if you will, through the Flexner Report and the medical schools and all the money that flowed their way, the prestige, et cetera, much to the uh, destruction of any, as you said, competing thoughts or practices. Yes, and and Basham also was uh, often made mention of God and the Almighty. In his uh, scientific writings, he would say, this shows forth the greatness of our Creator. So he lifted up the Almighty uh, in papers sometimes and in his writings. Um, He also was one of the very few to come against the the Darwinist uh, garbage. And his friends pleaded with him. I have one of those. I can't even tell the title of. I forget it. But you can't get it anyway. I have the only copy I've ever seen. It was written by a friend of Besham. It's more than 100 pages long. It's called uh, Besham and Appreciation. And I have the English translation of that, in which he notes how that uh, Besham's friends and colleagues pleaded with him to leave Darwin alone, not because they disagreed with him or they agreed with Darwin, but because they said it's it's been taken under the wing of uh, politicians uh, and it's, it's too popular. Leave it alone. But he said, it's an affront to science and it's an affront to my God. Exactly. He wouldn't leave it alone. Just more reasons they buried him. Chris, we got a couple of minutes before we take a break here. And I I think you said you have time to stick around for bonus round two today to honor Bechamp, of course. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Now uh, we have you a question. Can never give him enough credit. Right. I know. Uh, can we? Uh, uh, Mel has a question. Says, and he refers to you as Nad and Nan, not a doc and not a nurse. Angie, of course. Uh, he says, Mel says, I have no Facebook account. Is there any other resource that I can access for you all? Because that has become a way, uh, you know, that kind of private group, not, not a nurse and not a doc online on on Facebook, a way to, you can interact and you have 
a great community, people helping one another that know that the protocols and share it and help. But is there a way that people can access it if they're not on Facebook? Uh, all I can think of is they can email me. I think it's at the end of one of the articles that you mm-hmm. put up there is uh, my email address. They can. Okay. Uh, you know, and, and I'm swamped and overwhelmed. So, you know, it takes a while to get back to everybody. I'm not even on, not a, you know, not a nurse all that often. Cause no, I know Angie just, helps to, to, to keep things going and, uh, I messaged you and you didn't see it yesterday. You had just taken off, but now we're okay. But, uh, oh, Mel, I'm sorry, Melanie. Mel's short for Melanie. I was thinking of a different Mel who's a man. This is a woman, Mel. But, and I respect you if you don't want to be on Facebook. I understand, yeah. but it is a... It I is hate a, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a communication tool. Uh, perhaps there'll be some other shift over time, but, you know, we want to utilize their platforms. And even Pam Popper said that. Use it for all the good that you can use it for, even though the bad guys try to control it and limit it. And it's been a great resource for a lot of folks. But uh, if there's an email uh, address or a way and, and uh, Mel, you, you know, we'll try to get you in touch. But there's such good information there. So if you if you don't mind, we'll take a quick break here and uh, come back for the bonus round of the Robert Scott Bell Show. I want to thank Jonathan Emord for being on today with the Sacred Fire of Liberty. Also, Pam Popper, Make Americans Free Again. Y'all come come together. I hope that, uh, Chris, we can c- get together at, at your uh, Shiloh Shalom bed and breakfast sometime soon every time i see what angie's making it gets me hungry <laughs> <laughs> well i love when people people come because i get to eat even better than usual yes so. i know special treats happen then so hopefully we can coordinate that we still want to and it will happen but folks let's take a break if you want to stick around bonus rounds coming up with chris Barr celebrating the life of antoine bechamp and the law of the terrain right here on the robert scott bell show where i remind you simply that the power to heal is yours the Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott, the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, here we go. Bonus rounds begin here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Let me put this uh, screenshot up. Chris, not a doc. He's on. He's got his copy of Bechamp or Pasteur? Question mark by Hume. Uh, that's the English writer's name. His last name was Hume. Hers. Hers. That, it was. It was listed as E. Douglas Hume because women were not. Yeah, I was thinking well that. of. Yeah. So. E. Douglas Hume, her name was Ethel Douglas, and she married and became Ethel Douglas Hume, but the book was published as E. Douglas Hume, and many places to this day would republish it, listed as as written by Douglas Hume. Wow. So the, the sexism still continues a hundred years later. Well, and also we were talking off the air about censorship. You know, we, we've been, you know, dealing with deplatforming on certain things and finding ways to, you know, do end around them, and, and we have. But censorship was something that was happening in the time of Bechamp as well. What are you holding up there? I see the book. It's a title page. Okay. Founded upon a manuscript by Montague R. Leverson, M.D., Baltimore, M.A. and Ph.D. 
you know, th this was backed by doctors uh, and legislators, but they were in the minority, not mm. in the favorable position. <laughs> but is it true that uh, Béchamp was censored as well? Yes, his church censored him. He was a very loyal Roman Catholic. In fact, he left the comfort and security of the University of Strasbourg, where he'd been for decades. And uh, Rome asked him to go to the University of Lille on the northwest of France, which is still there to this day. It's a Catholic university. And they asked him to start a medical program there for training medical doctors, which he did and which mm -hmm. continues to this day. He founded it. Uh, and he, he went to, to the Catholic university and then they placed in the heat of all the Pasteur garbage and Napoleon, et cetera, they placed his writings on the index. People who don't know their history, which is just about everybody, don't know that the Inquisition never stopped. It just became more subtle. The index was the listing of forbidden reading materials. It still exists to this day. People don't know that either. Mm. And Besham had, or his writings were placed by his beloved Roman Catholic Church on the index and forbidden to be, re to be read. What do you think was so offensive to that church at the time? People don't know that Big Pharma would be nowhere without the church. They're bed partners. Mm. A, and they have been going back 150 years at least. Uh, the church was very political. Well, still is. Um, and I don't know all the whys and wherefores, um, but they placed a man who was a devoted Catholic. Pasteur was a Catholic in name only. He, if you read his life, he was a wretched, evil, awful, terrible, bitter person. He wasn't religious at all, but he was a Catholic because you know, for the same reason most Americans are Christians or many of them are anyway, because it's the thing you're supposed to be. So, uh, whereas Bisham was actually devout and, uh, uh, you know, devoted, devout. Mm -hmm. uh, so it crushed him that they would place his writings on the list of forbidden reading materials because uh, it countered where the direction everybody was going. Well, you know, it's interesting. We're seeing a lot of that uh, disillusionment in a lot of the Orthodox or what we call the... Uh, um, I mean, we talk about the church or the synagogue on and on. Many of them have adopted the uh, uh, masking and distancing and promoting vaccinations within the walls of these so, so supposedly holy sites. Right. And so people are waking up going, man, something something's amiss here. They're not teaching what I thought was the real teaching. Well, it's always been that way. I, I, that's how the pharmaceuticals became what they are. People don't know that they chose that word from pharmakaios to be called pharmaceuticals. There's no positive meaning for that word from the Greek. It relates to sorcerers and their sorceries and their chemical makeups for their potions. They, they call themselves sorcerers. I'm not calling them witches and mm -hmm. you know witchcraft and sorcerers. They, they call themselves that. Okay? So it's always been evil. Uh, and the church has been in bed with them, including the, the Christian churches and you know the Mormon, all the different churches. Well, if they're I, organized I religion, growing up in the Jewish, uh, you know, synagogues, and of course they praised to the high heavens the doctors, right? And so, yeah, it's organized religion has been in bed with big pharma from the beginning. Yeah, and it crushed Basham. Yeah, and and we're seeing an awakening about that as well, and. You know, I think that, um, you know, as we were talking a little bit off the air too, Chris, you know, we, I've been 
speaking about Beisham ever since you, well, before we met. And of course you only strengthened all of the things that, that we were, we've been since then. But a lot of times we, we say we speak and it falls on deaf ears. I see in the midst of the last year or so, more people being willing to, to listen to the things that they were not listening to before about the terrain. As I'm speaking every lecture, they're demanding more. You need to talk more about the terrain, more about the milieu, of course, Beichamp, all of that, the history of what went wrong, uh, Pasteur versus Beichamp, or the germ theory versus the terrain concepts, you know? And so that wasn't something, you know, I would pepper a lecture in, but now people want to, I want you to lecture just on that. I'm getting more, you know, please. So it's changed. There are shifts happening. Yes, there are. You know, 40 years ago, and I go back more than 40 years with Bisham, but uh, 30 years ago, even 20 years ago, nobody spoke against Bisham because they didn't know who he was. They didn't care. Okay, we've now reached enough people that we're now beginning to see people write about Bisham being a fraud. Okay, well, anybody who says that is just a blithering idiot or a son of the devil. Because if you read his life, what he was, what he did, he was a great champion of humanity and his science is irrefutable. But there are now enough people noticing it that the naysayers are beginning to come out. Now, they never give any reason for why what he said isn't true. Never. I haven't seen one person try and make an intelligent argument against uh, the terrain and the milieu. Mm -hmm. But I do see prom occasionally prominent scientists or medical people saying, oh, that's all fraud. There's nothing to that. Don't pay any attention to that. But they never have any reason they give because there isn't no, any reason that can be given against it. You know, once you engage in, in, in a real genuine intellectual discussion on these concepts, you, you'll be like, how did I ever believe the germ theory was a thing? Honestly. Well, read read Bisham or Pasteur, please work your way through it, folks. The evidence is clear. It's overwhelming, but nobody's read it because, yeah. well, it's hard to read. <laughs> well, and you can start here, folks. We've got, and we've done this before. We have links in the show notes at robertscottbell.com today. And we've, Chris and I have done many shows together and, and linked these and, and other articles. Uh, but this one honoring Antoine Béchamp, the gentle giant of science and medicine, you can click on that. And you'll be taken to a site with the art, the full article. So again, it, for those of you getting a start and you know introduction, this is a great way to start the overview. It was an interview that Chris did many years ago, and then you come back to the notes again. You'll see another link: Antoine Beauchamp versus Louis Pasteur. Almost a hundred years later, the truth remains buried to support a lie, and that will take you to another article that was written some years ago as well, uh, with other links. Uh, that you can go. So you'll, you'll start your investigations there. And those of you so inclined to pick up a dry book that if you take your time to get through, you will be benefited tremendously. And not the least of which, you know, is your ability to communicate these concepts and principles. Cause Chris, you've been at it for 40 years. I've been at it for almost 30 and there's still not enough of us to go around. You know, right, there may exactly. never be enough. So I, I'm encouraging people to get out and start talking, asking questions, pushing these concepts and principles you know, and, and transformation happens. Sometimes it happens over a long time and then suddenly, boom, it, you're like, whoa, people that never consider it thought, well, this is, of course, I believe this all the, the whole time, <laughs> you know, suddenly yeah. they adopt it. Like it's always been, been right, which it has been. Well, if you go into amazon.com, there's a lot of different republishing. Some of them aren't very good. Uh, I mean, just, they're just sloppy. Uh, but if there's one that has, a, a I don't know, hundred reviews or something. And you'll see, um, the people who are able to actually get through the book, who actually take the time and trouble, 
uh, you'll see their outrage. He said, why were we never told this? You know, because it's irrefutable. It's just facts. Yeah. You know, so people are angry when they actually re- take the time to read this book. And, you know, how has this happened? How has nobody, you know, opened this up? Why are we still doing things this way? You know, mm-hmm. so it will make you mad if you'll actually get through it. But, yeah, you'll have to work at it because it's not an easy read. Yeah. Also, I want to say a special thank you to our friend Jonathan at ChooseToBeHealthy.com. His father, Chuck, for many years was a supporter of the Robert Scott Bell Show, as is Jonathan. And he connected with Chris and really absorbed the lessons of Bechamp and adopted it at ChooseToBeHealthy.com even to this day, carrying the 100% whole food uh, nutrition that can facilitate recovery for really anything. As long as you're still breathing, there's an opportunity to recover uh, from the whole food, selenium, chromium, and silica, which are the baselines to other forms. And, you know, Chris, as you said, you're not loyal to a brand. You're loyal to the things that work within maybe numerous brands. And that's what's available there uh, at uh, choosetobehealthy.com, which by the way, you can use a code RSB5 to always get a discount that we learned of recently, Jonathan said. So again, the concept of restoring the terrain means what? What are we lacking? Let's give the body what it lacks in the form that it can utilize it and also facilitate the body's ability to eliminate that which it doesn't need, whether it be metabolic or environmental toxins. We've got to help. We know the the minerals that we've talked about for years together are keys to doing that. And the right form is everything. Yes, because as Basham said, it's about digestion, assimilation, disassimilation, and excretion, nutrition and detoxifying is not a new concept, although very few people have learned about it until the last 20 years or so. It goes back to Bisham 150-plus years ago, mm-hmm. just covered up, ignored. Yeah. You know, and, you know, it's, it's amazing. It is a spiritual battle uh, because when I discovered it, it was hard to find. I found it at a medical library of all places. The only reason it was there was a, a doctor who had been a graduate of that school had died and donated his library. So that was one of the books in his library. Who knows if he actually read it or ever read it. Uh, It had been there for years. Nobody had ever checked it out. Um, I wasn't a medical student, so it was a medical library, university. I couldn't check it out. So I just went to the copy machine, spent hours turning pages and putting a dime in to make several copies of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I I, I tried to buy it. They said, we don't sell books. I went back several months later to make some more copies and it was gone. Hmm. And I went to the, the library and they said, well, no, it's in the system. I said, it's not there. And they came and they looked all throughout the, and it, Oh, well, it's supposed to be here. I said, well, it isn't. So once I got a hold of it and started making noise about it, even though there was hardly anybody to listen, the book that nobody had checked out that had been there for years that they wouldn't sell to me at any price disappeared. disappeared. Yeah, it tells you what a threat to the established order, medical or otherwise, Bechamp is and was and still is to this day, the things that he taught. And we're not saying that nobody has ever picked up on it. There are people in history that have uh, embraced it and have done good works that have kind of carried that lineage forward. Uh, But we would obviously like to see, and Chris, I know that's for you as well, that we can bring people on board with these concepts and start applying them and then never again could we be deceived the way we've been deceived via the germ theory to believe that there's an invisible, you know, boogeyman or woman that's going to get you. And all we got to do is shut you down, lock you down, keep you from breathing on one another and, and 
you know, it, it's just all of this, as you said, it relates back to the abandonment of the very principles Bechamp dedicated his life to bring about. And also it's plagiarism because those who have followed in his footsteps, rather than give him credit, have tried to reinvent uh, was, uh, oh, I forget the first one, the German Enderlein. And uh, mm, uh, Gunther right. Enderlein um, called them proteets. And it's the same work as Bisham. He tried to take it for his own. Gaston Nasons called them somatids. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, they tried to take credit for Bisham's work by making it theirs. Robert Young has done that in, in uh, recent years, uh, actually 20-something years ago. Uh, you know, I was disgusted when I saw him saying, Bisham proves my work. No, wow. dummy. Really? <laughs> so it's been going on since from Pasteur to Enderline to Nasons to Robert Young. Instead of everybody getting behind Bisham and saying, Let's look at all of his research and authenticate it. People are trying to reinvent the wheel like Pasteur. Now, the one Pasteur was an idiot. The others aren't. So they've actually pushed, but they pushed along an obscure idea rather than gaining weight or steam behind the fullness of Besham. And that's mm. what needs to happen. That's the so distinct told, difference. Yes. I've told people for more than 30 years, I said, Look, if they would just take a commission of the world's greatest scientists or the National Institutes of Health, uh, the Besham Division, and if they just took his published studies, which are voluminous, duplicated them to see that, oh, yeah, they really do work. That really is true. Within 10 years, we could shut down 90 percent of the hospitals. Oh, wait. Hmm. That's why it'll never happen, right? Because they're not going to shut down those institutions, so they're not going to authenticate his work, or look at it, or consider it, because it would be a huge loss of business and control. So we have to get together with one another and talk about that. I wish there were book discussion groups on the law of the terrain every week. Again, as I was meeting, you know, based on Pam Popper's inspiration with these groups and. People are interested. Uh, they're asking questions. It's the perfect time to get together with folks because they're more open than ever in regards to their experience through a scamdemic of the last year plus. And, and well, the facts and figures are here. <laughs> well, let it let it out. Let it loose. So, uh, uh, Super Don, let me bring you into the mix. It's been a quiet Super Don day, holding the fort behind the scenes, monitoring the chat room, but. Oh, we've done a lot of stuff today leading to the finale here with uh, the celebration of Bechamp's life and how it, it's changed our lives here, all of us here, and many of you out there because of the things we've learned and applied. I've applied, and then when Chris came on board years ago as well, we, we got better and better, stronger and stronger, healthier and healthier. Indeed. Yeah, Power Pack show today. Yeah. So. And I'm happy to be quiet. You are happy it's to be quiet. It's okay. okay. I'm, yeah, I'm I always not... feel bad at the end. Like Super Don didn't get to say anything, and then That's the next right. day he just lets it loose. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! So thinking about that so, terrain. So look out tomorrow. Yeah, I know it could be pretty crazy. What are we doing tomorrow, by the way, Super D? Tomorrow we've got Jeffrey Jackson on uh, the first hour to give us Excellent. an update on what's been going on with him, and then we got James Lyons Weiler in hour two. Okay. So we'll wow. talk, talk about some, some interesting things tomorrow for sure. Heading into the weekend, but that's I'm, a powerful lineup. Yeah. I'm just, like I said, Chris, I'm glad we were able to do this today. I know we were kind of going back and forth because of the timing and like, we could do a belated celebration. You're like, no, we're not doing a belated celebration. It's the day we're doing it. And we did it as I'm glad we did. Yeah. Well, he deserves that. The greatest scientist in recorded history I can't say the greatest scientist ever because there might be somebody that nobody ever wrote about. But right? as yeah. far as 
recorded history, nobody can tie the shoestrings of Antoine Becham. So are there any upcoming events at the Shiloh Shalom B&B or anything or, or that we should know about? Yeah, we're having a, it's in a few weeks, something Angie's working on. Uh, okay. I think it's the weekend of the 16th, uh, uh, a health fair, let's just call it that. Okay. Um, any, uh, Super Don, any announcements as well? I, I want to remind people about the Advanced Medicine Conference. I'm really glad because Tom Cowan and uh, Andy Kaufman are going. They're the rare MDs that are all in on the terrain. I mean, they're just like, they don't have, they won't have anything of the germ. Don't give me that. They will push. I mean, like, but what about what they get it? Uh, and, and so we have some real dissident doctors that are going to be joining us at that event in Sioux Falls, South Dakota Memorial Day weekend. Wow. That sounds great too. Yeah. So I'm encouraged, uh, you know, despite the things that we look around and go, man, this sucks. There's a lot of good stuff that happens in those times because it kind of causes people to, well, maybe I should look and listen at those things I wasn't before. And mm. uh, I think that's why these things happen. Well, happy Bisham Day. Yes, happy Basham Day. Super Don, any other announcements? I forgot before we wrap it up. I don't think so. I think we're good. So thanks for tuning in today, guys. We'll be back tomorrow, and uh, have yourself a great day. Thanks, Chris. Big hugs to you and Angie. All right, great. Thank you. All right.